Check this From out, stu- Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Welcome back, 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. James Madison getting set for their final non-conference game of the regular. Border to border, 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. Taking up to 4 o'clock as we listen in on the show. And uh, you heard the beginning snippet of Coach Kurt Signetti. And uh, we'll play that at 3.30 coming up this afternoon. And um, that's going to be excited. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I, it was a good conversation. Uh, obviously, we talked about the game coming up on Saturday. We talked about everything that's going on exterior uh, from the program and how he's kind of handling the thing. And as the last question, I asked him about signal stealing and things like that. I didn't think he would answer. But he actually gave a really good answer. Uh, surprising answer, to say the least. So you'll hear Kurt Signetti coming up at uh, 3.30 or so, my interview that I literally just did 15 minutes ago uh, with the coach. So um, that is coming up in just a few moments. We will um, give you uh, – we're going to ring up Marty Favrette, the head coach of uh, hampton Sydney. They've got their huge matchup with Randolph-Macon, the 128th edition of the game, and also uh, the final game, unfortunately, for uh, Coach uh, Marty. Marty Favret in his long career. So we'll talk to him about that. And I'll ask him about sign stealing. Obviously, it's not just a Division One thing. It's not just a college football thing. I'm sure it's a high school thing as well. Uh, so he's going to join us in just a couple of minutes uh, here on the show. We got some other stuff to get into. We're going to break down hard the uh, Thursday night football game tonight. Carolina and Chicago. We're going X's and O's. No, we're, we're really not. Um I should put as a poll, and maybe I will during the break. Um, which are you most? Uh, which would you most likely watch tonight? Carolina, Chicago, UVA, Louisville, or just some random college basketball game? Because I think there's a chance the random college basketball game would win the poll. Uh, there is some stinkers tonight, actually. JMU basketball is in action tonight. They are playing at Kent State as part of the Sun Belt. Um, uh, so the Sunbelt Mac Challenge, which I must I must have missed that because apparently that is a thing now. So um, that is coming up tonight. But we'll certainly tell you about what else is coming up. There's a couple other state schools that are in action. Uh, we will update you that in just a moment. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. And the text line 804 is the area code. Tweet me at midmajormat at ESPN Richmond if you want to get involved with the show. By the way, if you wanted to bet in the game tonight, which I hope you don't, the Bears are a three, three and a half point favorite. Total is 38 for that game. 38. Unbelievable. I, I Tyson Badgent against uh, Bryce Young, who has not been, who's been, I, I don't think he's been very good this year. Uh, certainly he has not been CJ Stroud. Um, but that's what we got tonight for Thursday Night Football. Stay tuned as Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet try and uh, sell you this game tonight. I will not be watching. I will be checking out. As I said, I'll watch the Virginia game. Uh, they're 20.5-point underdog. Totals around 50.5. I texted Brad Franklin. 
of CavsCorner.com. I always like to text Brad when it comes to uh, game day and things like that. And I said, does UVA have a chance tonight? And he's like, probably not. Uh, We also do not know who the quarterback is. But we'll get a little bit more into the Virginia game coming up. But Saturday in Ashland, it will be the 128th edition of the game as Randolph-Macon hosts Hampton-Sydney. Kickoff for that one is at 1 o'clock. Bob is having Pedro on at uh, 4.05. That means I get a chance to catch up with the head coach of Hampton-Sydney, Marty Favret. Coach, how's it going? It's good, Matt. I'm getting a little interference in the background. Um, all right, we will uh, figure that out. And well, just... that's better. There we go. That's better. We're good. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so, Coach, obviously a 6-3 and three season so far. How do you think uh, – what do you think of your team right now entering this game coming up this weekend? Well, we've got a good team. I mean, we're six points away from being an undefeated team. We lost two one-point games on in the last 30 seconds. I mean, you can't get those back. But clearly we um, – you know, we've been really competitive this year. We've we've played some really close games, but uh, we're veteran-laden, and um, I think we're good on both sides of the ball, but certainly a big task coming Saturday. Yeah, motivation doesn't have to be an issue for this one, Coach. How do you approach a game like this to end the season? Obviously, it's a rivalry game. How do you keep your kids' emotions in check, or do you want them to be highly motivated and juiced for this game? Well, obviously, this is my 24th edition, so... You know, every year is a little different. Um, you know, there's been years where, we, many years where we've played for the United Championship. That won't be the case. But, you know, I told the kids the other day, we have a unique situation, and, and Macon does as well, where regardless of records, you know, this game is always going to matter. And it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's a national brand. It's a game that, you know, gets everyone's attention. And, uh, and you know, nobody's playing out the string. It, it's a game that will always have significance and, and has for – for many, many years. How much of your roster do you think you've gone up against Randolph-Macon in recruiting? Is it? I mean, I, I'm assuming you guys are both recruiting a lot of the same players. How many of these kids would you say would take it personally? Maybe they were not recruited by Randolph-Macon and, and decide to go with you guys instead. Well, I think that always happens within a conference, and and and, and you know the landscape's shifted. We, you know, Richmond's always been a battleground, so certainly. You know, people go, and I think a lot of kids, that's uh, a great question. I'll ask them at practice how many guys at least visited Randolph-Macon. My guess it's a whole lot. And I'm sure Pedro could ask the same question. And uh, and we both kind of, like, drifted down to North Carolina and South Carolina and kind of gone after some of the same kids because, you know, rivalry aside, they're both really good colleges, really good football programs that have a lot to offer. What kind of momentum do you bring? Obviously, you talked about you've won four of your last five. There were some close losses throughout this season. But the way you won that game against Shenandoah in overtime on senior day, what kind of momentum can you bring from something like that? Oh, it's been huge. I mean, you know, uh, we're having fun, and that would have been a tough one. But uh, to dramatically block an extra point in overtime in front of a really big crowd, and, you know, I get carried off the field, I mean, it was just a. It was a fun day. I, the, clearly, the the football gods were shining down on me in my last home game, and and for our seniors as well. So, yeah, we couldn't have scripted it any better. We beat a good team. You know, we're six and three, and you know we're bringing a better team to Ashland than we did two years ago for sure. Uh, did you call a special play on that blocked extra point, or was that just uh, you know divine intervention potentially? Yeah, the special play was uh, praying up to God and saying, can you just give me this one? Um, I was actually praying for a miss because it's Division Three, and 
PATs on automatic, but uh, James Townsend came off the edge, timed it up perfectly, and, and just got one hand on it, and it was enough to keep it from getting across the upright. So obviously your, your your offense has been tremendous as of late, scoring, you know, you scored 42 against Guilford, 31 against Averitt, 48 against Ferrum. How much is it that Andrew has been very good with regards to keeping the turnovers down? 21 touchdown passes to three interceptions. That's a, that's a uh, ratio that I think almost anybody would take. Yeah, and for a guy that was you know came in as a backup, uh, it's just been a really extraordinary story. And and give our offensive coordinator Lindell Stone credit. He, our system is is unique and it suits the skill set that Pooch has. Um, and then Pooch has stepped up, and you know we got really good receivers. We play to our strengths, and he's been able to get the ball out, and he's he's really accurate. And, and uh, it's a fun offense to watch. And you know I think it. It's something that, uh, you know, maybe Randolph Macon hasn't seen a whole lot this year. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at your statistics. 324 pass attempts, 323 rush attempts. Uh, is that a balance that you kind of want? I mean, obviously, it's very rare in football nowadays that we see almost a 50-50 balance. Is this kind of what you're looking at for this offense? Oh, of course not. I'm a 70-30 pass guy. Uh, no, it's, it, it, it suits us. Um, and, you know, some of those numbers can be misleading because, you know, how many of those runs are coming late in games when you're ahead and all that. But uh, we've been a little more balanced on first down uh, than in years past where I was, I was very aggressive on first down. And, you know, we may change that script. I don't want to give it any away. But um, Malik Frost has been a really good player for us. He's dependable. And, you know, and we – our, our running backs haven't lost a fumble all year, which I hope I'm not jinxing us, but that's really something special as well. Um, what are some of the challenges you see in, in Randolph making coming up this weekend? Well, uh, you could pick anything. I mean, their numbers speak for themselves. They're averaging over 50 points a game. Uh, it'll be the best defense we've seen all year. Uh, they're 9-0 and for a reason. So, you know, we know... I mean, we're going against a legitimate top-10 team uh, nationally that um, I'm sure has high hopes to advance in the playoffs. But we played them tough last year, and I think we have a better team. And I think they probably have a better team. So, you know, it's, it's the making Camp Sydney game, all the cliches. you got to keep your emotions in check. you got to deal with the crowd. Uh, and you got to hope you win the turnover battle. And, and if we can do those things, um, it's going to be very interesting. How much better does college sports? How, how much better can college sports be because of these rivalries? Obviously, you know, in the pros, there was Yankees, Red Sox, but like that's a long time ago. And there's, you know, all these other rivalries, but they kind of fade. It doesn't feel like in college athletics these rivalries ever fade. Well, we are. It's right outside my office. It's it's, it's the oldest small college rivalry in the South, um, and they've been playing since the 1890s. And actually really close. I think we have a couple game edge over all these years. So, you know, it's when the alumni get involved. It's the game, you know, 30 years later, kids will remember what their record was against Macon. And, uh, and I've been really blessed to be a part of, of, of this rivalry and some great games. And I think Coach Aruz and I, this will be our 20th meeting together. I remember the first one like it was yesterday. So, it's special. It's uh, it's unique. It's pure. Um, you know, no one's running around for NIL stuff. We're just out there playing a game we love and with kids that uh, that love the game as well. 
What are your emotions going to be like? Obviously, we talk about your kids, but what are your emotions going to be like with this being your final game? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that this past Saturday was 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 not easy, um, and, and I've been going to Randolph Macon since 1995, I think, when I was at Catholic. Um, a, a lot of really amazing memories over there, and then some not so amazing memories. But uh, I'll get through it. I'm a big boy, uh, you know. I, you know, I don't want our players focusing on me. It's uh, it, like I said, it's been a great ride, and and what where else to end it than uh, going against uh, a really good team at their place. One o'clock on Saturday, Hampton Sydney is at Randolph Macon. Uh, final question for you, Coach. Um, obviously, now that your career is ending, can you talk about when you hear this story coming out of Michigan about sign stealing? Obviously, they went a little bit too far with buying tickets and things like that. But how much do you think stuff like this actually happens on campuses? Were there ever games where you suspected your opponent knew your signals i'm naive but i don't think so i mean i really don't i i you know <laughs> we don't really have the resources and you know, i like to think that that's kind of you know i i mentioned the football guys i, I don't think they smile well on you I, I remember years ago uh we had a transfer from a school i won't mention this is when i was a catholic and he had he had their old playbook um you know he brought the playbook. I mean, he was at that school, and they didn't get it back from him. And I remember just telling the staff, you know, just throw it in the trash can. We we we, we just there's no reason for that. Um, and I'm not making it sound like we're saints, but to me, well, I want them to go hard on Michigan. I, I think I think they deserve to be punished. One o'clock, Randolph Macon, Hampton, Sydney, the 128th edition of the game. Coach, good luck this weekend. As always, we appreciate your time. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate you having me on. All right, uh, that is Coach Marty Favret of uh, Hampton, Sydney, and um, yeah, one o'clock. And uh, I, look, look, I think emotion is going to be great in this game. You know, you, you would think half like maybe Randolph Macon's let down a little bit because of the fact that they have everything clinched. They're already you know in the ODAC championship or whatever. But when you've got a rivalry game, I think you can throw all that stuff out the window. I think a rivalry game, you it doesn't matter if you have nothing to play for. That's why, I mean, I think Tech and UVA, even though both teams are probably going to be playing for nothing, still they, I mean, I think it's it's the rivalry that keeps this thing going. So it'll be very interesting to see. Obviously, Hampton Sydney six and three, Randolph Macon is nine and zero so far on the season. And if you can't make it out to your game, wherever that may be, go to Ashland. Go figure out a way to get in that stadium and watch uh, the 128th edition of the game between Randolph Macon and Hampton Sydney. And as I said, Coach Pedro Aruza will be on with Bob at 405. Bob and Sean at uh, 405. All right, let's take a timeout. Coming up, we'll do a little talk about the UVA Louisville tonight. What do we kind of expect? And then at uh, around 3.30, we'll uh, play my interview from earlier today with Coach Kurt Signetti. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond. And find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing from your home for sports in Richmond. 106.1 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here. Just posted a poll on my Twitter account at MidMajorMatt at ESPN Richmond. What are you more likely to watch tonight? Uh, the Carolina-Chicago game, the UVA or, or Sunbelt game tonight, a random college basketball game, or something non-sports? Whether it is, I don't know, your significant other's choice or just anything that's out there. I don't, I don't, I don't watch as much non-sports, so I don't know what, like, hey, tonight it's whatever. It's Thursday night. 
So uh, that polls up there. By the way, the first three people voted for the NFL. And so the first three people voting for the NFL tells me they either A, have money on the game, or B, have some sort of fantasy implications, which I really don't know who you're playing in fantasy tonight because there's not a lot of good players. Um, but keep, you keep voting at MidMajorMatt, at ESPN Richmond on Twitter. I did find it interesting that Coach uh, Favrette said they should crit- you know, come down hard on Michigan. Um, there was one story that came out, I think it was from Bruce Feldman, I can't, I can't keep track of this, uh, that said it might just be a fine for, for Coach Harbaugh. And it, it, there is an interesting point that's being brought up here. And Bruce Feldman did do this story for the NCAA, uh, for the Athletic. Is nothing ever happened in Wakey Leaks? And if you don't remember, uh, Wakey Leaks was three years ago when basically um, Tommy Elrod basically gave the plays out that Wake Forest had. And there was so many opportunities where teams actually knew what was coming from Wake Forest. And by the way, nothing ever happened. Nothing like I don't remember any punishment in that thing. Do you? Uh, nobody really remembers that sort of thing. And so um, here that scandal happened and no, nothing happened. And now this Michigan thing, there was just somebody who said, and I can't keep track of all the um, the people reporting on this story, but basically they said, yeah, um, he might get fined, which nobody's going to be happy about. But there's nothing that we can actually be happy about with regards to this story. There's nothing where all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're saying, well... That's because somebody's going to say it's either too much or too little. I still maintain everybody does it. I still maintain that this is one of those things where if we did some sort of discussion and we did some sort of unearthing of everything, you would find that every program in America is guilty of something. Guilty of something. We already had the story that came out that said three other schools were sharing Michigan signals. I mean, there's there's nothing that's going to make anybody happy in this story. There's just not. And you know that the rivalry's involved. You know Ohio State's involved somehow. There was the story that came out that said Ohio State's uh, Ryan Day, the people who came up with this and unearthed everything, were related to Ryan Day. If we did a, a deep dive into Ohio State basketball or football, I'm sure we would find that Ohio State football has done things that they're not supposed to. It's always, as far as, far as I'm concerned with this all this stuff, it's always the people who yell the loudest who have the most to hide. You know, it's like, hey, they're doing this, they're doing this, go check them out. And then, like, they're, like, slowly putting the skeletons into their closet, and they're like, yeah, maybe you should focus on them. So I, I still maintain you punish Michigan, but you don't punish these kids. And there's a guy on Twitter, and I posted this on my Twitter account, Greg Doyle, who's a Heisman voter. I still don't know why I'm not a Heisman voter. I think I should be a Heisman voter. I, I know just as much about all these. I think they're scared because I'd vote for some guy in the Sun Belt. I'd, I'd give the Heisman vote to uh, Jordan McLeod or somebody like that who deserves it. Hell, Jalen Green was on pace to become, uh, you know, hold every record in college football. Whoever uh, runs the Heisman, tell them to get in contact with me. I, I'd like to vote. Um, uh, Greg Doyle, I, I got sidetracked for a second. Greg Doyle, who has a Heisman vote, went on Twitter much like people do for no for no reason at all. They, he went on Twitter, he's like, you know, I'm not blaming J.J. McCarthy for what's going on here, but I'm also not going to vote for him. And I'm like, well, if you're not blaming him and he's not at fault and he's got the best statistics, why don't you vote for him? And I said that's, you know, 
old baseball writer logic. The same guy who says, well, I can't put Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame. They might have done steroids or they're bad people. All that stuff doesn't matter. J.J. McCarthy has thrown three interceptions. J.J. McCarthy has had some some problems with some things. Like, it, it, it's just, I wish people would get off their high horse. I really do. Like, did you really have to go on Twitter and tell everybody, I'm not voting for the guy, but I don't blame him. It's okay. Seriously? Like, that guy should have his Heisman vote taken away. And by the way, they did the, uh, the, the slew thing. Same guy voted for Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel was guilty of quite a few things uh, at the time. Go watch the Netflix documentary if you don't remember what Johnny Manziel did while he was in college. But this guy had no problem voting for Johnny Manziel. Now, is J.J. McCarthy the Heisman winner? Probably not. He's leading right now. But, you know, there's still Michael Penix. There's still Bo Nix. There's still some other people who could certainly win the Heisman. But why are you coming out and saying, well, I'm not going to vote for J.J. McCarthy for something that I'm not blaming him for? Like, that's just stupid. That's baseball writer logic. They probably all have AOL accounts. Like, come on now, get in the uh, get in the 2023s. All right, real quick, and then we'll break, and I'll play my interview from earlier today with Coach Kurt Signetti. Uh, Louisville and Virginia tonight. Uh, we do not know as of now who is the starting quarterback for Virginia tonight. I've already said my piece. Uh, I would go with Calandria. Um, I think that basically, you know, if unless. Musket is 100%, which I can't imagine he is, with the short week and everything that he went through last game. Play Anthony Calandria. You already burned his red shirt. Like, his red shirt's burned. He's going to, you make, I would play him the rest of the season. Because you know what Anthony Calandria does? Anthony Calandria goes, and he'll score you touchdowns. Now, granted, look, he's going to throw some interceptions, and he's going to have some bad plays. You're going to be like, what the hell are we doing with this kid? But you know what? He's also going to do things that are really positive. He's also going to make this offense more explosive. He's thrown for more yards. In less games, he's thrown for more yards than Tony Musket. He's got seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. Like 9,000 excitement plays. He's got all that stuff taken care of. So to me, unless Tony Musket's 100% and you could tell he's 100%, Anthony Colangio's my starter this week. Anthony Colangio's my starter the rest of the season. Anthony Colangio is going to be my starter next year. Because if you don't start Anthony Colangio, who knows? Maybe he transfers. I would hope not. Uh, I don't think Virginia's going to win tonight. Uh, I think Virginia's only hope to even cover the game tonight, is if Louisville, who needs some help to clinch uh, the other half of the ACC championship, Louisville's got a game at Miami to close out their regular season in terms of the ACC portion of it because they play Kentucky in that final game of the regular season. If they have one eye ahead on Miami, maybe that will help them. But other than that, you know, Virginia's defense is going to struggle. Louisville wants to run the ball. They're going to run the ball plenty. And if they start Tony Musket, like it could be a relatively uninspiring offense tonight. We'll see. I was wrong last week. I picked Virginia to beat Georgia Tech. I was wrong on that. I, I don't know. I see like a 37-20 type of game tonight, maybe 37-20-ish. Um, I would say Virginia covers if AC starts. If AC does not start, I want nothing to do with Virginia. Uh, let's take a timeout. Coming up, a team we never have to worry about because they just do what they're supposed to do. James Madison, they've got UConn this weekend. I'll say it because I kind of said it to the coach during the interview. JMU's going to smash them. JMU's going to kill them. It's going to be a tremendous game. The fans who made it out there are going to see a lot of points. Um, but we had the coach earlier, about 2.45 or so. I had a conversation with the coach. You'll hear it next, 106.1 ESPN.
Make your day a little brighter with full-length podcast of all our shows and interviews. Available at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. 106.1 ESPN. Ben Joseph's here. James Madison getting set for the final non-conference game of the regular season as they host UConn coming up at 2 o'clock out at Bridgeforce Stadium. A sold-out crowd joining us now. The head coach of the Dukes, Coach Kurt Signetti. Coach, how's it going? Going good. Good, Coach. I thought it was interesting. I was watching your press conference earlier this week. You talked about Jordan seeming to have more fun out there in the victory over Georgia State. What was it you noticed that was a little bit different about your quarterback that you liked about his demeanor? Well, I I thought he played with a lot of confidence. He was having success. And, uh, you know, he wasn't overthinking things. He was letting his talent flow. Good things were happening. And uh, that's good to see. And, uh, you know, every week he's improved, and I still think there's steps he can take. He's got a lot of ability, natural quarterback ability. How do you handle, obviously with a 9-0 and season, you're three games away from being undefeated. How do you kind of loosen things up a little bit and not have these kids be under pressure of potentially an undefeated season? Well, I mean, you know, that's all external stuff created, you know, by you guys. Um, you know, our focus is on what we have to do uh, right now, uh, be where our feet are, the here and now, and take control of the things that we have control of, which is our preparation, and then go out there and, you know, keep it between the white lines. Uh, you know, it's one game at a time. Um, so they've done a good job of that, and, um, you know, we've got a big one this week against UConn, a team that's very capable, and, uh, you know, we've got an older, mature team, and, uh, you know, our our focus is on today and taking care of business Saturday, and we'll worry about next week, next week. How much harder is it for you as the coach with social media out there? Your kids know what's going on. They know the school sent a letter off. They know maybe there's a small chance they do get the bowl bid or they do get a chance to make this Sun Belt Championship game. How much harder does it make it for you to keep their focus on what's coming up next when all this exterior stuff is going on? Well, you know, everybody's got a job to do. I mean, I got a job to do to prepare the team. They got a job to do. Um, president had a job to do, AD had a job to do, and everybody's got to do their job. And, you know, I think sometimes people uh, shortchange uh, how meaningful the regular season is, like a bowl game, uh, you know, is the holy grail. And it's not. Um, so, you know, we've accomplished a lot. It's in the past. Uh, you know, what are we going to do on Saturday? And uh, one thing I'll say about this team is they've been very mature, unified, and focused. They listen to the message. They apply to practice and on Saturday. And it's a mature group, and uh, they've been a lot of fun to coach. I've got to say, I mean, I've enjoyed watching your team so far this season. But watching a guy like D'Angelo out there, D'Angelo Pons, and seeing him as a freshman make such an impact, how impressed have you been with what he's been able to do so far this season? Very, uh, you know, mature beyond his years. High motor guy, 100% all the time. Tough guy, too. Smart, uh, bright-eyed guy, very dependable and accountable. Um, he's really done a great job for us, and since we inserted him into the lineup, uh, you know, you, you've seen, seen things improve uh, in the back end. Uh, how nice was it to get some carries for Sammy last week? I mean, obviously, he's a guy that's had some experience in this system, doesn't have a ton of carries, but he did some stuff with the, the six carries he had last week. Oh, yeah, he's a good player. And, you know, Sammy works really hard. He doesn't say much. Uh, you know, he, he's had a special teams role. And, you know, he's got he's 
his role on offense hasn't been real big, but every time he's been called upon, he's responded. And uh, so it was great to get him in the game. Uh, you know, a lot of guys that work hard, you try to get him in the game. And I, I was glad to see him have some success. Uh, talking with the coach, Kurt Signetti, as they get set for UConn. Obviously, this is a non-conference game against the Huskies. Um, what's your thoughts on playing a non-conference game this late in, in the regular season? Well, I mean, you know, we play them. They give us a schedule, and we play them. I wasn't real thrilled about those three away games, you know, games two, three, and four back-to-back, getting back at four and eight in the morning. Uh, but, um, you know, you got to play 12 games, so it doesn't matter who you play. They're all important. They all count as one, whether they're a conference game or not a conference game. They count as one. Uh, obviously, the Huskies last year, they made a bowl game. They've had a little bit of a struggle so far this season. What scares you uh, about UConn coming up this weekend? Well, you know, I think they're a dangerous football team. I mean, they played NC State down to the wire, Boston College also. Played Utah State week after we played them and got beat 34-33. So, you know, offensively, uh, they I think they're a preparation issue. Uh, a lot of different uh, shifts, motions, formations, <clears throat> some gadgetry, trick plays, deceptives. But, and then play good fundamental football. They do a great job running the outside zone. So, And they got good players. Uh, across the board there. Uh, defensively, they play really hard, and they're very well coached. So, um, <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to play good. And, uh, you know, every week you got to play good because uh, the margin for error is very slim, and everybody's capable. How do you convince your kids of that? Obviously, you guys are a healthy favorite out in, out in the desert, and UConn's record is not very good, and there's still other goals to have to accomplish. You say all the right things when it comes to the opponent. How do you get your kids to believe all the right things when it comes to seeing an opponent like this? Well, uh, you got to get them to buy in, and if you sense they aren't, you got to rock their world. <laughs> you get them right. Um, you talked about how you watch some of the TV tape when it comes to this thing. What do you think of all these broadcasts that you're getting on these TVs? They're all saying how the NCAA is doing you guys wrong. They're all coming out here cheerleading for you guys. What do you make of all this coverage that you guys are getting during these TV broadcasts? I, I mean, I agree with it. And I think the NCAA needs to really uh, do their due diligence and pay proper attention to our case and not gloss over it because if they do, they'll see there's absolutely no reason uh, that this team should not be eligible for a conference championship or a bowl game. And uh, they got to take their ego out of the mix. And, uh, you know, and, and hopefully they do. One of the few negatives uh, from the Georgia State game, the unfortunate injury to Jalen uh, ending his season, what is that going to do and what kind of changes do you have to make to your defense to stay as good as you guys have been? Yeah, you know, that's a tough uh, tough injury there. I feel really bad for Jalen. He's put so much into this season. He was going to break the national record for sacks. Um, obviously, it's a big loss uh, when you lose a guy like that. You know, we'll do some shuffling around. Uh, there'll be a few guys maybe get a few more snaps than they have in the past. And, uh, you know, hopefully guys stepping into new roles, they can excel. We can have the same kind of production. You have such depth on that front seven. Just talk about when does it start for you to try and build that depth? Is it trying to get them extra snaps in some of the earlier games? Is it trying to get them extra snaps during practice? How do you kind of uh, build that depth that you guys have? Well, it starts with recruiting, you know, recruiting and development. So uh, you can never have enough good defensive linemen because, you know, that position there helps you win championships. And, uh, you know, you build depth through spring ball and fall camp, and then in season when guys get opportunities, they got to take advantage of it. 
And uh, so, um, you know, we've got some capable guys. Are we as deep as I'd like to be there right now? Probably not. Um, but, you know, we've got some capable guys that can step in that haven't – we've got some guys that have had maybe 10 to 15 snaps a game that now will get 20 to 25 snaps a game. And then we've, we've got some other uh, guys playing, uh, you know, in backup capacities that maybe they haven't played very much that may get an opportunity at some point. When you hear the game is sold out on Saturday, obviously, I mean, look, we, we know how good the JMU fans are, but how big is it to have that kind of atmosphere, even for a game like this against UConn? Well, I, you know, I mean, that's what makes JMU special. There's a lot of things that make JMU a, a great brand. A lot of reasons why we are where we are, um, starting, you know, with the, the commitment from the administration. But our, our fan base is terrific and unbelievable. Uh, and like a Power 5 fan base uh, that cares because there's a lot of them that don't at that level. Um, and so it, it charges up our kids. Uh, I think it it sort of a, increases the accountability of our guys, too, to play well, prepare well uh, in front of our fans. But it's nice when you make good plays and they're cheering for you because <laughs> it's easier to kind of create some momentum and get the momentum going on your side. So. Playing at home is awesome. What about the momentum in the program right now? Obviously, the basketball team gets a huge win. The soccer program with a win over the number one program. The other soccer program makes the NCAA tournament. Like, I mean, everything is coming up JMU right now. Oh, yeah. It, it was a, it's was. it been a good week, and I'm really glad to see it for, like, Jeff Bourne, you know, who's retired. This will be his last year and put 25 years in, and him and Charlie and President Elger. But for Jeff in particular, uh, to see this kind of success and be able to enjoy this moment, I'm glad for him. Last question for you. When you see this story come out about Michigan and the sign stealing, do you change anything regarding your signals? Do you have things in place to potentially make sure people aren't trying to steal your signals? You know, I think that kind of thing in-game has been going on for a long time. Uh, Now, you know, sending people out and all that stuff, you know, I don't, I don't know about all that, but uh, you know, we've had some situations this year where, after the game, uh, we thought it was pretty evident that the opposition had picked our signals to some degree, and uh, it forces you to change things up. So, because um, you you don't huddle anymore, you know, and, and your quarterback doesn't have a communication device in his helmet, so. Uh, you got to put more thought into it now. And I think we got picked. Uh, there's two games I think we got picked this year. Two o'clock on Saturday, James Madison hosting UConn out at Bridgeport Stadium in front of a sold-out crowd. Coach, good luck uh, this weekend. Uh, good luck the rest of the season. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Matt. All right. That was the interview I did uh, just, just about an hour ago. I think that's interesting. He thinks there were two games where they knew his signals. And guess what? They still they still won the game. I mean, if you, if I was to guess in theory, it would be maybe the ODU game and maybe one. I mean, you just basically look at the games that are close. I mean, look, the ODU game was a close game. Um, Utah State, Troy. Um, I would think it's a conference opponent to say the least. I don't know, but um, that's very interesting to hear from a head coach. And I'll keep asking when I have other coaches on the same question. You know. Um, but yeah, listen, I think that's the important thing. When we outsiders look at these games, I mean, dude, I think UConn's backup or uh, J- Jamie's backups could win this game. UConn's terrible. I love 
my, one of my favorite things about coaches are the cliches that they pull out for for games like this. You know, when they say, "Oh, well, they run the ball really well," and and you know they're very sound and they're very focused, and the head coach is a good coach, and yada yada yada. Meanwhile, if I shot truth serum into to coach, he'd be like, "Yeah, I mean, we're gonna win if we do what we're supposed to." Um, the worst thing for JMU would be is if they don't come out focused, they don't win this game, you know, things like that. You know, all this trouble that the school's going to rightfully so, to get them into a bowl game, to get them into the Sunbelt Championship. Um, you know, all, all doesn't matter if they don't take care of business. They will. UConn's really bad. UConn is really bad. Uh, I don't know what happened. UConn, I think, is one of the few teams that still huddles. They huddle. Who the heck huddles in college football nowadays? They're a run-based offense, and against the number one rush defense in America... I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. I'm just looking up one thing here. So um, there's a uh, website that says, like, seconds per play. UConn is, well, they were one of the slowest. They they average about 29 seconds per play, which is amazing. To kind of compare it to James Madison, James uh, is actually around 27.8 seconds per play. Fastest team in America is Jacksonville State. They go 20.3 seconds per play. ODU is top 10 at 21.9. But yeah, JMU should have no issues this weekend. None whatsoever. Uh, Quick check of the uh, lines real quick, and then we'll take our break to our final segment. As we said, Virginia, 20.5 point underdog to Louisville. Totals 50. It's coming down a little bit. Um, Virginia Tech is a a 1.5 point favorite over Boston College, which I don't understand. We'll get into that more tomorrow. JMU at 25-point favorite over UConn. Total is 48.5. If UConn scores more than 10, I'll be surprised. If they score more than 8, I'll be surprised. Liberty, a 13.5-point favorite over Old Dominion. Uh, total is 59.5 in that one. 60s. There are some 60s out there. Uh, we haven't talked as much about that game, but we can get into that tomorrow. And then, of course, as you know, the FCS games uh, do not have any sort of lines yet. Um, Five Dimes is no longer with us, and they're the ones who usually provided the FCS lines before everybody else. Now we kind of wait. There's one book that courageously comes out there with their lines, and then all of a sudden everybody else just jumps on them after they move because everybody's afraid. If you're betting on an FCS game, chances are you know what you're doing. So the books are kind of afraid of that. All right, let's take a timeout. Coming up, we'll talk a little college basketball. JMU's in action in college basketball. There's also a huge game involving the Virginia Tech women. They are taking on Iowa. Oh, yeah, Kate and Clark. She's pretty good. You ever heard of her? Uh, so we'll talk about that in our final segment. You're listening to 1061 ESPN.